0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of b Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you on Wednesday, February 17th. Still from O'Fallon, Missouri, but down in Jupiter, Florida, the St. Louis Cardinals pitchers and catchers have reported and they have completed their first day of workouts for the 2021 spring training season. The rest of the squad will join the pitchers and catchers and the smattering of position players that have already made their way down to the Cardinals complex there in Jupiter on Monday, February 22nd, just a handful of days away. And my anticipation and expectation is that I will be down there with them for the first day of full squad workouts from Jupiter, Florida. Still stuck back here in Missouri in the cold, in the snow, with many of you awaiting the time to leave. But the way they set it up this year, there is no media access prior to that first day of full squad workouts, so basically if I were there right now, I'd just be on the outside of a fence somewhere, peeking my way in. The expectation is that once the 22nd arrives and full squad workouts begin, there will be some sort of media area to be able to take in the workouts on some of the backfields there at the Cardinals Complex, so not 100% sure what that's going to look like until I get down there, but should be able to bring you guys some insight and updates from Jupiter on b daily in the weeks ahead. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. You can find us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the usual suspects. And for a complete list, go ahead and head on over to anchor.fm slash b 12, and it'll all be there for you right there on the screen. The multiple platforms where you can find b Shave Daily. But for now, the name of the game was Zoom as we got to talk to a few of the Cardinals following the workouts on Monday. And I said that I was going to be doing an episode talking about the starting rotation next. And it makes sense that I'll be able to dabble in a little bit of that conversation today because the players we heard from, two guys that are, you could say, are competing for spots in that starting rotation uh, or in one case, maybe more so than the other, already should have a spot locked down in that rotation. Let's start, though, by mapping out what the starting five could look like for the Cardinals entering 2021. Before I get into it, the caveat that I always bring, if you've listened to the show before, you probably know by now, my expectation as spring training begins is, unfortunately, that one of your starters is going to get hurt. It is going to happen before opening day. It is a virtual certainty. You don't know who it's going to be. But the rigors of a baseball season and then you go through the off season, and you come into spring training, hopefully you're fresh. But in many cases, ramping back up, those injuries, they tend to come to the surface. And so we don't know necessarily what the Cardinals' health is going to be next week when full squad workouts begin. We don't know about the week after that when games and Grapefruit League play are slated to begin. And we certainly don't know a month from now what it's going to look like what the injury bug could do to the Cardinals or any other team as spring training camp unfolds. And so that's my caveat off the top. We're talking about, based on performance, based on expectations, what we know going in, here are the guys that we expect to be part of that mix. Obviously, that is going to be an ever-changing beast as spring and the regular season evolves. But for now, I think it's pretty safe to say that health assumed, Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright are going to be locked into the 2021 rotation for the St. Louis Cardinals. Jack Flaherty winning his arbitration case against the team. That happened over the weekend. Didn't really get into that too much in podcast form. Uh, could maybe dive into it a little bit, but basically not a surprise to me because of the fact that, first of all, the numbers that the two sides had submitted, Flaherty at $3.9 million and the Cardinals down at 3.0. Uh, Not too drastically different, but the reason they have to go through this process and fight basically over every last dollar is about precedence. It's about trying to make sure that the payroll, not only in 2021, but in the years to come, is where they want it to be. And from a team perspective, you've got to understand the business side of this, that as much as the Cardinals might like Jack Flaherty and might want to just lay down and say, yeah, you can be paid what you want. Here's the blank check through the arbitration process, it just wouldn't be a wise move by the team to to take that step. Because if it happens in year one of arbitration, it can certainly happen in year two, year three, and then into free agency. Uh, The goal of the teams has to be to spend the least amount of money that they can to field the best team that they possibly can. And this arbitration process is where that balance is particularly delicate. Uh, the fact that the Cardinals offer $3 million, some of you out there say, oh, that's more than Flaherty's ever earned. Uh, he should be happy to earn that. Uh, some of you out there say the Cardinals are pinching pennies, and he's certainly worth more than $3 million. So I, I know that it comes from both sides. Not all fans are created equally. Not all fans have the same views on these subjects. And I try to respect that entering uh, into this conversation, Uh, but Flaherty certainly 3.9 million. Yes, it's the most he will have earned. He does get the extra 900,000 because of his side winning in arbitration. And, and what that means is basically those two numbers were submitted. And then a third party, the arbiter, the panel rules in one favor of one or the other. They decide what number based on, previous performance and statistics and they they break it down for you in the hearing based on all that, which side has the more reasonable claim uh, to their, their number, their salary being the most fair for Jack Flaherty in 2021 based on the precedent of the system. And so ultimately Flaherty gets that win over the Cardinals, certainly celebrated it a little bit on Twitter. Uh, The two gifts or or memes that he posted, one of them was uh, just kind of the, dancing meme like, oh, something crazy has gone down. Go to Jack Flaherty's Twitter if you don't know the one that I'm talking about. But basically, reacting to having uh, emerged victorious, he didn't say as much, but everybody knew at that point because the news had broken, that's what the GIF was about. And the other one was just a Michael Jordan meme. It wasn't a GIF, but it was just a photo where he's sitting there in the Last Dance documentary and he says, and I took that personally. Which is, you could read into it a little bit to say that Jack Flaherty, some of the things that he heard said about himself by his employer during the arbitration hearing, maybe not super flattering. Definitely in that environment, it's possible to take things personally because while you're arguing as the player for why you are valuable, essentially what the team is doing is, is saying, here's why he's not as valuable as this number would indicate. Here's why, you know, here are some other player comparisons that Jack Flaherty has not outperformed these guys, but the, these are the earnings that those guys had in their year one arbitration. I imagine, never been in one of the rooms when it was going on, imagine, though, that it is a lot of that kind of talk. Certainly could understand from a player perspective where that might rub you the wrong way. But for people who read into that and say, oh, Jack Flaherty's gone. The Cardinals are going to trade him, all this stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean that. The Cardinals certainly could decide down the road. If they are convinced they're not going to be able to sign Jack Flaherty to a long-term extension, they could make the decision to trade him. But I imagine with where the Cardinals hope to be competitively, by adding Arenado, by fielding a team that that figures to be in the mix in the NL Central at the very least, uh, in the next couple of years when Jack Flaherty is Arb 2, Arb 3, hopefully the Cardinals in the standings are not in a position to where they're looking to sell at a trade deadline and then potentially, you know, to give away Jack Flaherty just so you can recoup some younger pieces. I don't think that the disdain or any animosity that you perceive as being there is going to impact, ultimately, whether or not Jack Flaherty remains a Cardinal long-term. That matter is pretty simple. It comes down to what are the Cardinals going to be willing to pay him when it comes time to either negotiate an extension, which I imagine, if you're Jack Flaherty based on the way he's done things throughout his career, is not overly eager to give up some of the uh, free agent opportunity that he could potentially have a couple of years down the road without you know, a, a massive, fairly market-value uh, contract that would extend him for years to come. So I don't think he's going to eagerly enter into a negotiation where he feels he's going to be lowballed and accept some kind of offer. I just don't think that's the way Jack Flaherty prefers to play it, and it's certainly his right to be able to play it however he would like to uh, To bet on himself, essentially. You've seen that take place with Trevor Bauer in this offseason. He signs not a long-term deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers, but the first two years of that deal, I believe, are $40 million each year on the average annual value. So he's obviously making a, a sizable salary for those two seasons. And whether or not it paid off for him in the long term, I guess we'll have to wait and see what he's able to get in subsequent contracts based on his performance and health. But certainly was Trevor Bauer was a guy who took his own approach and has had some success in getting that contract. So Jack Flaherty is certainly within his right uh, to, to decide how he would want to approach it. But he also knows that if he's able to perform these next few seasons, and could enter free agency. He might be glad to come back to the Cardinals even after reaching free agency, but it's going to be about what are the Cardinals willing to offer him at that point in time. So not really the conversation for today, but I think long-term, certainly something that Cardinals fans are following with regard to Jack Flaherty Uh, for this season, 3.9 million is what he'll earn. And, you know, Hopefully for his sake and the Cardinals' sake, both of them, uh, he performs really well, earns himself another massive raise uh, for 2022 uh, with a nice season as the anchor of the Cardinals' starting rotation. Then it comes to Adam Wainwright. We know that he is signed on with the Cardinals for 2021 and a contract that has a value of, according to reports a few weeks ago, $8 million for the 2021 season. He had a great year last year for the Cardinals, it was in a shortened season, and so certainly fair to wonder whether he'll be able to keep that up throughout the entirety of a 162 game season in 2021. But for at least the course of last year, he was the Cardinals' most durable, most effective starter. Uh, didn't have the lowest ERA. We'll get to that guy in a minute. But certainly the durability, the performance from Wainwright, no question he had a good year. Posting a 5 and 3 record with a 3.15 earned run average in 65 and a third. Innings pitch for St. Louis. Made the most starts. Always took his turn. Always found a way, for the most part, to go deep into games. Cardinals would love to see exactly that from him in 2021. Expanded out to 31-32 starts on the mound every fifth day. We'll see what Wainwright is able to do in his age 39 season. As he'll turn 40 years of age in August. But Wainwright, Flaherty, those two, if you're a Cardinals fan... Assuming health, which right now is all you can do. Feeling pretty good, I think, about both of those guys. But beyond that, it gets a little bit more interesting, in my opinion, because you have some question marks about some other guys. And that's not to say that Wainwright, who's had injuries in the past, or Jack Flaherty cannot possibly get injured this season or this spring. But when you look at some of the other examples, I think there are more questions about the rest of the names here. First of which is Miles Michaelis. Missed all of last season due to an injury Dating all the way back really to the previous October, he was dealing with this flexor tendon issue in the forearm. They tried the PRP injection after October following the end of the 2019 season, uh, during which Michaels didn't pitch quite as well as he did uh, in his MLB debut season, or I should say debut season with the Cardinals. Of course, before he went to Japan, he had uh, a little bit of big league experience, really refined his game overseas, though, came back to the state's Joins the Cardinals, pitched really well, ERA below three in that 2018 season, won a bunch of games, everything was good. He was the workhorse innings eater that the Cardinals had sought. They give him the new contract, but then coming into 2019, didn't quite perform as well, and then had the injury toward the end of the year. Tried to rehab it in the offseason, but if you remember, he came into last spring training still dealing with it and was not able to go, had to shut down his program again, but that's when they tried another PRP injection. And they thought initially that it was going to solve the problem because when he came into summer camp, everything, it seemed like, was on a decent path. He, I remember he threw in some of those sim games that they had there at Bush Stadium. But then when it was time for the season to begin, they had the realization it wasn't going to work. They had to shut him down, and this time he would have to have a procedure to correct the issue. And so it's not Tommy John. It wasn't a procedure that they believe uh, is going to keep him out or impact him here as the Cardinals approach spring training in 2021, but there's always that possibility, right? It feels like unless you have the Tommy John repair, everything else is kind of a precursor, uh, a smaller example incident of potentially the the elbow situation that could be to come. And if this procedure, the surgery that Michael has had basically over the summer uh, with a, with a shorter recovery period, if that took care of the issue and he's able to come back strong, which seems to be the indication as of now. Everything the team has said about him has been positive. They think he's going to be on a pretty good schedule uh, heading into spring and should be ready to go by the time the Cardinals break camp. But I think you want to see that if you're a fan. You want to see it happen on the field. You want to see him be able to perform in some of those uh, simulated games that they'll surely be running down in spring. And then when he gets into Grapefruit League action, you want to see how he responds and certainly how the body responds in the days to, that follow uh, as he ramps up to more rigorous performance on the mound. Miles Michaelis, if he can be the guy that he was in 2018, the Car- that's a number two, number one type pitcher uh, in a rotation. He was the starter on opening day for the Cardinals in 2019 on the merits of what he did the year before. So if he can be that guy, the Cardinals would be sitting pretty. I think more likely, is he going to be a little closer to the guy that he was in 2019? I think he could probably split that gap. ERA was above four in 2019. It was like 2.83 in 18. Could he be a guy that gives you 190 innings with an ERA of 3.8? I think he could definitely be in the margin of possibility for that. That would be great for the Cardinals. That's still a solid, very sturdy number three. It's an innings eater, which if you're able to eat innings at that level of performance where you have an ERA sub four, and then you are able to turn things over to the Cardinals bullpen for the last two, three innings, I think the Cardinals would take that. They want Michaelis to be a quality start machine in 2021. I think that should be his goal as well. Uh, We'll see health-wise if he's able to, to be up for the task, but I think there are encouraging signs. But at the end of the day, you've got to see it on the field. Still, I'm going to count him as part of the rotation entering the season until proven otherwise, because I know that if he's healthy, that's where the Cardinals are going to have him. That's where they signed him in the first place to be. Uh, That's where they re-signed him with that contract extension to be. And I think if he's healthy, that is, in fact, where he's going to wind up. So that's three spots. Let's inch a little bit closer toward the end of this rotation. For me, folks, the lefty Kwon Yun Kim is absolutely deserving of a spot in that rotation mix. Uh, He was great last year. I mentioned Wainwright was not the ERA leader for the rotation. That was Kwan Young Kim, if you count it based on he had a couple fewer starts because, if you recall, they started him in the bullpen. He was the closer on opening day in a game the Cardinals nearly blew at Busch Stadium. Got out of the jam, but from there, when the Cardinals brought him back as a starter, which is where he really expected to be, KK, coming into the season— Uh, Once he signed with the Cardinals out of Korea, he was a starter in the KBO. Mike Schild had talked about following the decision, essentially, to make him the closer to begin the year. He had talked about how KK had some experience in relief, but really the bulk of his experience was as a starter. And I think it was a little bit of a confusion for KK coming into last season The fact that he wasn't in that role, despite having a really great spring, uh, he seems like the kind of guy that is just going to be able to uh, adapt to what you need him to do. He's happy to be able to help the team win in any way possible. But he's consistently talked about being a regimented guy in his regiment and in the way that he prepares for games. He's always done that as a starter, and so clearly that is where he's comfortable. He was one of the guys we got a chance to talk to today. I mentioned that we talked to a few of the guys from the Cardinals, and two of the players, the pitchers, that I believe are in competition for possible starting rotation spots. Quan Young-Kim was one of them, and for me, shouldn't really be much of a competition as long as things go fluidly through his spring training program. Uh, had an ERA last year of one62 Uh, his first time facing major league hitters. He's talked repeatedly and mentioned it again today about how hitters in, in the United States in major league baseball, how they compare to what he's used to in the KBO. There are way more sluggers over here, guys with the potential to put the ball over the wall. And so he said to try to adapt to that, he recognizes that he can't just overpower all the hitters in MLB. Like he kind of could do in the KBO. He considered himself a power pitcher over there. Over here, he's more middle of the road as far as velocity. He'll still get it up into the the 90s, low to mid. But he's not one of the guys pumping 97, 98, 99. And that's really what's considered a power pitcher in America. And so for him, he recognized that and said this offseason, he worked on trying to command his pitches, locate better. And if he can hit location with his pitches, given the deceptive motion that he has to an American crop of players that isn't totally... Uh, exposed and used to what he brings to the table, honestly, at this point in time, because all he faced last year was the NL Central until you got into the postseason against the Padres in in that one playoff start. So really, there are plenty of teams and players out there who have never seen KK live, have never had to stand in the batter's box to face him. And I still think that can be, to some extent, especially when you talk about playing the West and the East and the American League teams, I think to some extent that can end up being a benefit to him and the Cardinals this year, Going to be really interesting, though, to see how teams from the NL Central adapt to him now that they've gotten a little bit of tape, video, and live experience under their belt against KK. So going to be a really interesting sophomore campaign from him with regard to his status in Major League Baseball. Will he repeat himself with a 1.62 ERA? Absolutely not. There's no way uh, because he's not a huge strikeout guy, right? He 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 doesn't strike out a guy per inning. Did over there in Korea, but over here, uh, those numbers kind of dipped a little bit. So I don't expect him to be a, a guy that's necessarily wiping people out. He's got a pitch to contact. He recognizes that, I think, and I think is going to end up better for it based on the strategy that he's going to employ there. Now, the other guy that we talked to on Wednesday via Zoom was Carlos Martinez, and he is somebody that absolutely gets the ire of Cardinals Nation when things don't go well. There are those throughout the fan base who have already probably kind of written him off as we head into 2021, and I'll admit that in the off season, when I took a look at this Cardinals team, before they had made their moves and had basically constructed the roster that we see today, I said starting pitching could be an area that you want to make an addition of an established veteran because I think there are question marks in the group. They've since traded Austin Gomber, and so that adds kind of uh, not another question mark, but it takes away part of the depth that you would rely upon if guys in the top two, three, four of your rotation don't ultimately pan out. And so they didn't really add anybody to replace Austin Gomber. They've got depth. And we'll talk about some of those names here in just a minute at the end of this podcast. But where Carlos Martinez fits in is interesting because I did kind of write him off from the conversation of, or at least from the mindset standpoint, of the Cardinals can enter this season assuming he can be one of their five starters. I said at the end of last year, I don't think that's the case anymore. If you've listened to the show in past months and years, going back to last year, I have been a guy that's beat the drum for Carlos Martinez As a starter, because I think what he did from 2015 to 2017 was elite stuff, was ace caliber starting pitching in Major League Baseball as a National Leaguer. And if the Cardinals could replicate that from him, you would take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But as the years have evolved and Carlos Martinez has struggled to get back into the rotation for whatever reason, at times I have blamed the team for not putting him in the position when I thought he ought to have earned the chance And at other times, it was clear that from the way he was performing, it just wasn't the right idea at that time. Uh, Last year, they gave him the chance, and it didn't work out. Now, COVID-19 certainly hit Carlos Martinez. There's no question about that. And he talked about it on Wednesday, the extent to which that impacted him during his season, even after he recovered from the virus. He said physically, he just wasn't as strong. He was without strength, is the way he put it. While mentally he was ready to compete and do his best every day, he said, I tried. I was trying out there, but he pushed it. Physically, he just wasn't in the right place, and because of that, probably strained himself a little too hard. That's how you come up with the oblique injury, and then that put his season to a premature end. His numbers weren't good either. Uh, Certainly, the last outing of the year that he had, when he was just getting rocked, and they they left him out there until the injury uh, forced him out of that game. His numbers weren't as bad. It's kind of like a Jack Flaherty situation where if you take out the Milwaukee start, uh his numbers look a lot better for the season because there weren't that many starts to have made. With Carlos it's the same thing, but it ended on that sour note rather than having that sour note somewhere in the middle. Uh Carlos showed signs of being the guy that he has been before during 2020, but there weren't enough of those signs and it's just one of those things where you kind of have to ask the question when is enough enough? And for me, enough had not been enough because I, I thought that within Carlos there existed the ability to compete at a high level as a starter in this league. Uh, last year gave me some pause. And if you go back and listen to podcasts after the season, that's kind of where I was at. I said, You can't, anything he gives you as a starter is a bonus. If he comes into camp and looks ready and earns the job and succeeds and thrives in it, that's great. But if I'm a team, if I'm an organization and I'm building as a front office, my roster for 2021, I can't slot him. I can't pencil him in any longer. I have to kind of approach it with a little more caution than I than I have in the past. And so for me, that's where I was at. Now, knowledge of what Carlos has been doing this offseason and knowledge of really how severely he was impacted last year by COVID-19, I could have a little bit of room for wiggle. I still think Having additional depth that you trust is always best because, like I've said, guys are going to get hurt. But if Carlos Martinez can be, say, the guy that he was when he was pitching in the Caribbean series just a couple of weeks ago, maybe you're on to something. Because Carlos Martinez right now might be more stretched out than any other starting pitcher on the Cardinals as they head into spring training, which isn't a, a huge factor You know, they've got plenty of time to ramp these guys up. Fewer games this spring because of the way they're scheduling and they're keeping the teams in pods, so to speak. So the Cardinals will only play spring games against the Mets because Port St. Lucie, not too far from Jupiter. They'll play against the Marlins plenty because they share a stadium. And then they'll play against the Astros and Nationals because that stadium, very nice stadium in West Palm Beach, is just down the road, not very far, 15 minutes. And so they can play those games without having to go through the travel cross-state to get to Gulfport or Northport or whatever it's called on the Gulf side uh, where the Braves play and playing the Twins over in that direction as well. So they're going to limit the number of games that they can have, which is going to be a creative situation that the Cardinals are going to have to approach as far as getting innings for all of these pitchers that they have in camp through simulated games, through B games on the backfield, things of that nature. But as far as innings in games, they're going to be a little bit limited. So that's the only real advantage you can you can bring Carlos Martinez in from the jump and say he's already kind of more stretched out than some of these other guys. Whether that ends up being a positive for his season or not remains to be seen because we, we know that injuries can still strike a guy when you think they're stretched out and ready to go. But it's certainly clear that he's been pitching in-game action. In the two starts he made in the Caribbean series earlier this month and at the end of January is when that series began, he pitched 11 innings, gave up just one earned run, had, I believe, 15 strikeouts. So is the competition quite as high in that league? Maybe not. Uh, you know, you've got major leaguers. Yadier Molina was one of the guys that he struck out during that uh, that Caribbean series. You've got MLB players that you're playing alongside and against, but not all of them are of the caliber of what you're going to see on a day-to-day basis in Major League Baseball. But the fact that he threw the innings, he responded well physically, says he feels 100% strong as of right now. Those are encouraging signs. I'm not trying to get myself trapped into the idea that you can count on Carlos Martinez to once again be the kind of ace starter that he was from 15 to 17 because the more years we do this, the f- the longer ago that ends up being, right? 2017 was 4 calendar years ago if you if you look at it that way. So, it's been a minute. Does he possess the ability? He certainly does. I can see why the Cardinals might just fall into that, you know, mode of hey, we're going to give him the shot because what do we have to lose if he doesn't perform? It's the last guaranteed year of his contract, so he won't be in the mix next year if he doesn't perform up to a caliber that demands an $18 or whatever it is salary that that his option uh, would detail. So we'll see what Carlos Martinez can do. It's going to be fun to watch, as it always is, because you never know what you're going to see. The talent is obviously there. If I'm the Cardinals, though, I'm still... I'm not super comfortable just saying, yeah, he's going to be our number five with KK in the rotation, Michaelis, Wainwright, Flaherty, boom, there's your five, you're good to go. And I don't think the Cardinals are saying that, but it certainly is, you know, interesting that Carlos Martinez says he wants to be a starter once again, which is no surprise. And seems that the Cardinals, maybe the way they're approaching spring training will allow us to have a glimpse into the way they're seeing that situation, but they could very well be ready and prepared to to give him that opportunity. The one guy that I think could be a wild card to this situation in the rotation is Daniel Ponce de Leon. This guy, certainly you could call him part of their depth, but this guy performed his butt off down at spring training last year and then had some some trouble. There's no question about it. He was, he was struggling so much, giving up home runs, not always in the strike zone, Uh, when he pitched a couple of those early starts for the Cardinals after they got the restart. Remember, Ponce was the guy that took the spot of Miles Michaelis in the rotation the first week of the season when Michaelis went down with the injury and and it was revealed he would have to miss the entire campaign. So Michaelis gone. Ponce got thrown in there. uh, Didn't really go the way his spring went. It's like the COVID shutdown. He kind of lost a little bit of the groove that he had found that I thought he'd found anyway down in Jupiter when he looked really good and I was predicting a breakout season for him. He ends up going to the alternate side at one point, gets optioned out, it's just not working. Really at that point though, the Cardinals know they have doubleheaders coming up, they know they're going to need him, go get him right, try to you know, take him away from the environment and see if he's able to, to get out of his head a little bit and find ways to uh, improve on the situation that had gone wrong with his pitching to that point. And to that point, he did. He came back almost like a different guy. It seemed like he was always pitching part of these doubleheaders, but the innings he gave the Cardinals down the stretch were high-quality innings when they really needed them for a team that barely squeaked into the postseason. Uh, He definitely filled his role admirably down the stretch, and you look at his ERA over those final starts after he came back, which it was like he was always off the roster unless he was pitching which is unfortunate for the, for the player because when you talk to him in spring training last year, he was talking about not wanting to be on that Memphis shuttle again in 2021. Somebody else can ride it, is what he said. Well, unfortunately, there was no Memphis shuttle because there was no Memphis to go to. Instead, it was the alternate site shuttle, and he ended up being the, the guy that would be starting during doubleheaders did we know at the time, there would be a lot of doubleheaders that would be uh, necessary to have those kinds of starters, and, and the role was more valuable in 20 than it was in other seasons. But this year, I think a strong spring, it should be an open competition. And if you're just looking at, okay, everybody somehow stays healthy, which probably doesn't happen, you're looking at maybe those six guys for five spots, I I would have a total open competition, and whoever performs better between Ponce de Leon and Martinez, that would be my number 5 starter. And this year, more than other years, I am more comfortable saying, hey, even if Carlos has a decent spring, if somebody else like Ponce looks better and we just have a little bit of reservation in the back of our minds about what Carlos is going to be able to do as a starter long-term, can he hold up, I'm okay maybe putting him in the bullpen this time. I haven't been in the past, but I think it's not that I'm suddenly flip-flopping on on a long-held position. It's that I think we've seen evidence that there could be some reasons to change this time. It's based on growth and knowledge, and I think with where Carlos is at, you may just want to be able to get something out of him rather than get nothing. He may be able to do it as a starter. I don't know. I have more questions now than I did a year ago, and maybe that's unfair because I'm giving Lane Thomas a pass when it comes to COVID and saying, hey, I'm not going to write him off based on last year. I'm not anointing him a starter in the outfield for the Cardinals, but I'm looking at Lane Thomas and saying, yeah, if given some opportunity, he might be able to be somebody that is a serviceable, solid fourth outfielder, maybe somebody who could play and start several times a week. I'm not going to write him off because of a bad COVID year. Carlos, I'm not totally writing him off either, but I'm also looking out there and saying if Ponce de Leon can pick up where he left off at the end of last season, and somehow you do keep everybody in your rotation healthy. Imagine a bullpen anchored by Alex Reyes, Henesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, John Gant, who I've heard recently is good at baseball, and Carlos Martinez. And that's, I haven't even said Andrew Miller's name. Tyler Webb has been serviceable. I'm probably forgetting some other guys like Junior, Fernandez. This bullpen could be the best in the league. Potentially, if you keep healthy, if if guys perform to their abilities, so I, I'm willing to, because I think there's ways for Mike Schilt to employ Carlos Martinez strategically in the bullpen if push comes to shove, and because I am definitely in Daniel Ponce De Leon's corner, believing he deserves a shot, it could be really interesting to see how the Cardinals construct a pitching staff provided the health remains. But that's kind of the breakdown I have for the pitching conversation from today. Uh, certainly, we'll be hearing more from Cardinals players throughout the week. And then, again, Saturday, I'll be making my drive down to Jupiter. And by Monday, when when full camp opens, I should be there. So excited about that. Hope you are excited as I am. Probably not excited as I am because I'm the only one getting out of the weather. But I hope you're excited to be able to listen to the show and hear the insight and conversation that I will have the opportunity to bring you live from Jupiter, Florida. So make sure to hit the subscribe button one more time. I'll give it a plug. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know the drill. Get on top of it if you haven't already, and you'll be along for the ride with B-Shape Daily throughout the the spring, the preseason, and the regular season. As we break down Cardinals baseball in 2021. Appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Sorry it took me a little bit longer to get out than I had anticipated, uh, but we're going to we're going to be getting on top of things and rolling out these episodes five or so per week, especially when we're down there in Florida with daily news to update you on. Appreciate you guys once again and we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily.